Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife Liberty, as always. I would hope my name wouldn't change. But, welcome back. We are a married couple with different interests, and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is a sports episode. I'm never happy to hear you say that. I'm, Absolutely never. I'm always happy to hear me say that, but I understand. We'll get straight into it with the NHL because it's the only sport I like. Okay. Some news out of player health this week. Jack Eichel will be out for the foreseeable future for the Buffalo Sabres due to an upper body injury. You also had Anders Lee, who is out indefinitely for the New York Islanders with a lower body injury. He was injured after a collision with New Jersey Devils forward Pavel Zacha on Thursday. Apparently, this was a bad hit. It, it wasn't that it was a dirty hit. He was, obviously, he's a defenseman, and Pavel Zacic was making motion towards the net, and the two of them kind of just collided in an awkward way. Like, I don't think either one of them meant anything foul by it, but it was bad. I said it was a bad hit, not yeah. a dirty hit, yeah. and apparently it looks bad, yeah. so... It was not good looking, to say the least. Then you also have Darcy Kemper, who is out week to week for the Arizona Coyotes due to a lower body injury. And the last injury I have for the NHL is Roman Yossi is out week to week for the Nashville Predators with an upper body injury. Yeah, I had only one more on top of that. Alex Petrangelo is out for an extended period of time due to an upper body injury. Uh, he was injured while blocking a shot against the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. Uh, that's not pretty ever. With how many blocked shots there are, I'm always surprised there's not more injuries from it. Yeah. People uh, just throw themselves down on the ice like they're a bunch of penguins. Yeah. Not the team, but the animal. Yes. And I really feel like there should be more injuries from this. So, like, this one kind of hit him in, like, the chest-neck area, like, roughly where they come together with one another. So, it was not uh, a pretty shot. Not, not particularly where I'm sure he planned to take that shot. I would hope not. Your heart's roughly around there. (laughs) But in good news, I suppose, you have the 2021 NHL draft that has been scheduled for July 23rd and 24th, with round one being the 23rd and every other round being the 24th for some reason. I always hate that. And (sighs) there's a chance that the lottery may have to change, but I think that's just going to depend on playoffs and fun stuff like that. Yeah, so the NHL commissioner came out and updated that, saying that he has no plans to update the draft lottery. Oh, okay. Because he doesn't believe teams are actively tanking to get higher draft picks. Because honestly, if you look at it in the past couple years, the team in last place has not gotten the first pick, so it really doesn't make a difference. Right. Um, Well, they only have an, what, 18% chance, even if you're in the very last spot, to get it. So it's like, you might as well not tank your season the only thing i'm concerned about with this draft will be the expansion draft because that will be happening as well now this is going to be separate time frame right it's not going to be happening at the same time it usually happens the week before the nhl draft so i would imagine we're just going to be nervous for two weeks about what's happening july is going to be a fun month yes to say the least happy birthday to you right at least my birthday is before all the nerves and not at the same time Yeah. Let's be honest, I'm going to be nervous from, like, June on. (laughs) But the NHL has come out and said that they expect next season to begin on time with a 
complete 82-game season with regular divisional alignment and no limitations on fan attendance. So I think they expect everyone to get vaccinated over the summer and then we're just good apparently. The reality is it's probably going to be the case because both Canada and the United States are like arming up in crazy levels of vaccines. So like I understand they're they're goal orientated. I suppose. I think the one thing I was glad to hear the commissioner talk about was that it will be regular divisional alignment because I don't like this the way it is right now. I don't like it. I understand why we're here and I get it and I'm here for it, but it would need to go away to keep me happy. Because I don't like this the way it is. If it makes you feel any better, I think most people's leagues are, like, unpredictable in the way that they're going so far. Like, who would have guessed the Leafs were going to lead the North like after last season? No one. If you can lose to a Zamboni driver, I expect you to do nothing good. Yeah. But I, I just don't like the way it is. I don't like how many times we have to play each team in our division, specifically a certain other Pennsylvania team. So, like, I'm glad it's going to go back to regular after this season. Yeah, I think you and every other hockey fan can agree with that at least. At least we can all agree on something. Mm-hmm. Never thought I'd agree with a Flyers fan, but here we are. Yeah. But as of last night from when we were recording this, we actually had a big thing happen. The defending Stanley Cup champions Tampa Bay Lightning had raised their 2020 banner because it was the first game where fans were allowed to be back in the arena. Yeah, it was definitely a little delayed, (laughs) but they wanted to share it with fans, and I completely understand that. It's, you know, they've been so close to winning a Stanley Cup for so long that it's just like the fans have suffered enough to save that moment for them. When was their last cup? I don't know off the top of my head, but... 2004. Yeah, so a while ago. They've suffered since the beginning of the 2000s. Yeah. I'm glad that they did it, but at the same time, I I don't think it's going to have, like, the same... Or I don't think it had the same, like, thing as when it happens at your home opener and it's the beginning of a regular season. You don't have all these, like, little asterisks with everything. Yeah. Thanks, COVID. The reality is they sh- they got to share it with their fans. And, like, as a, a hockey fan, I would prefer it that way. Like, had the Blackhawks won it last year, which we all know was not going to happen, but it, had they won it, I would have hoped that they would have waited until the fans were there to raise the banner. I'm kind of glad your team didn't win it just because I get enough... <laughs> You know, you rubbing your Stanley Cups in my face. Three and five years is a pretty good run, so... But have you done it back-to-back? No. All right, thank you. But moving forward, before we get into a fight, (laughs) Edmonton Oilers forward Kaylor Yabamoto has been fined $3,854.17, which is the maximum allowable under the CBA for a dangerous trip against Calgary Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson during the game on Saturday, March 6th. So I don't know why it took so long for this fine to come out, but it didn't actually come out until this week. Also this week, we did have a fun suspension. Predators' Dante Fabro was suspended two games for elbowing Brock McGinn of the Carolina Hurricanes. He's really lucky he got away with only two games. It looked very intentional. Like, as he was coming in for the hit, he lifted his elbow up to make contact with the head. So, yikes! it's like, dude, you had a clean shoulder-to-shoulder hit, 
and you just were like, let's make this a little more dangerous. I've always thought that the Preds play a little dirty. Like, that's just me. I'm not in their division, so I can't really speak to that, but still. But under the terms of the CBA and based on his average annual salary, he's going to end up forfeiting $15,948.28 for those two games he's missing. Oh, man. I'm sorry, that's a car. That's not much money to a hockey player, though. I know, but that's a car to a normal person. Yeah. You also had Tom Wilson get suspended for seven games by the NHL Department of Player Safety on Saturday. It is his fifth suspension in the NHL for the Washington Capitals forward since September of 2017. Yeah. He is notorious for being a hard-hitting, not-really-following-the-rule type guy. So he's an enforcer. We'll call what he is. But that type of enforcement, I feel, doesn't belong in the 2020s. Like, that was the kind of stuff you got away with in the 90s and a little bit over into the 2000s. But, like, at this time, you're not going to get away with the same stuff as he knows from his five suspensions in four seasons. As a hockey fan, I am going to disagree with you. I love enforcers, and I feel like we need more of them in the NHL. I'm not saying that having a good enforcer is a bad thing. I mean, you had Ott in Dallas when I first started watching hockey, and he was a good enforcer. Like, did he end up in the penalty box a lot? Yes, but he wasn't getting five suspensions in four seasons. Yeah, and so, like, I look at guys, like, on my team, like Shazi, who isn't such... He's not like a big dude, but he's kind of got that like pit bull like type attitude where it's just like you get in my boy's face, I will fight you. I was thinking of a pit bull when you said yeah. that. That's crazy. And it's it's a bad connotation because pit bulls are great dogs, but like as a whole, like he's very loyal, but he doesn't go out of his way to get suspended either. Like he just enforces play while he's playing. And like I feel like a lot of the stuff that. Wilson is doing would have been fine in the 90s, but you're going to get thrown out for games if you do it now. And that's my whole point. Not saying you shouldn't have an enforcer or someone who's there to do that job, but I'm just saying the type of stuff enforcers are allowed to do nowadays is different. So like you've got basically the the argument that all sports fans have is sports are getting soft, but they're also doing it to protect players. Right. You know, they're protecting the investment and in turn, fans are like, we want more violence. And it's like, you're not going to get it. Go to YouTube, find the hardest hits of the 20 season. Yeah. And look up all of those hits and try telling me that hockey is soft. Yeah. Just try to tell me that. Yeah. You have no basis for your argument. I'm just saying in general, like sports as a whole have become softer than they were. And you argued it. Enforcers as a whole have been not completely null and voided, but they're getting there. Like, Well, I mean, there are some things that just aren't okay anymore because we've seen the long-term effects over time, especially when it comes to concussions. Yeah brain injuries like this stuff isn't okay like an elbow to someone's head is never going to be okay anymore whereas it might have been fine in the 80s or the 90s but that doesn't necessarily take away the fact that this is a tough sport right but as you know wilson is having this suspension because he was 
boarding the defenseman Brandon Carlo from the Boston Bruins. And as far as I know, Carlo isn't back. Uh, He's expected to miss anywhere from a week to two weeks. They said he's week to week, but the expectation is closer to the two-week mark, so. And I mean, if you take a guy out with something dirty for multiple weeks, like, that's a problem. Yeah. Seven games is going to add up to roughly about that same amount of time, and I feel like that's why the penalty that, like, he's being suspended for that period of time, just because, you know, it's roughly the same amount of games that Carlo's going to miss. Yeah. But we also had a signing from the Blues happen this week. Jordan Bennington signed a six-year, $36 million contract on Thursday. The contract has an AAV of $6 million, a full no-trade clause for the first three years, and a limited no-trade clause for the final three years. You know what's fun about trade clauses? I was actually having a discussion with one of my guys this week because we'll talk about it a little bit later in the NFL. Um, There was a signing here in Dallas that involved a no-trade clause, and he he was like, I don't understand it. And so, like, I broke it down, like, as you would say, Barney-style, more or less. And he was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So, like, I only know more about it, I feel like, because of hockey. Because no trade yeah. clauses are very prevalent in the world of the NHL. So. Right. Well, what I see a lot in hockey, and I don't know about other sports because I don't like watching other sports, is that you have these players who want to be franchise players. Like, they want to stay with their teams for their whole careers. Yeah. And, like, we've had people retire this past month who did that. Yeah. And so, like... I think that's a very common thing with hockey, so they want no trade clauses. Right. But Bennington would have become an unrestricted free agent after this season if he hadn't signed a contract this year. Right. We all knew that they were going to lock him up this year. It was just a matter of when during the season it was going to come. So I didn't expect it to quite be six years. Bennington's been good, but he hasn't been like... That good? And I think that's probably why the no trade clause ends after three years. Wasn't he the goalie for their cup win? Yes. So I would have thought they would have done an extension then or something to keep him locked up, but... He's been unpredictable. So, like, the season before the cup win, he wasn't really that great. And there were times during the cup season that he wasn't lights out. He just happened to play really, really well during the playoffs. So Yeah. I mean, um, if you're going to choose a time to turn it on, the playoffs are a great time to turn that on. It's not a bad time, that's for sure. But I have two pieces of weird NHL news for the last of my NHL news. Okay. I still have more after that, so I'm excited to hear your weird news. The first one makes me want to vomit in my mouth, so let's just get that out of the way. Okay. And the Philadelphia Flyers have raffled off a naked, gritty painting to benefit the team's charities. I heard about this. The raffle went until March 15th, and the winner is going to be contacted on the 16th, which is... I believe, the day this podcast goes out. So if you want to be a furry, you can, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what kind of animal Gritty is, though. I don't know that he really is an animal. You wouldn't be a furry, you'd be a mascotty. Yes, yeah. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't want to find out. (laughs) But, like, I hate the flyers. I hate Gritty. The idea of him naked is gross. Yeah. But the painting's online if you want to look at it. I'd, I'd rather not. And then... You also had someone else who makes me want to vomit sometimes. Okay. Okay, not really. I just am being mean. Justin Bieber's latest music video is a love letter to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm not shocked by this because he is an outspoken A Leafs well-known fan. Toronto yeah. sports fan, but specifically the Leafs. 
He's regularly attended games before COVID, so no one's surprised. But the video Hold On features a three-minute montage of Maple Leafs highlights, which I said they had three minutes worth of highlights? I'm shocked. That's so cool-hearted. <laughs> Haters gonna hate is all I gotta say to that, without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, if they're including the Eras thing from when he played, technically he was with the Maple Leafs. <laughs> I'm so good at hating on people. Clearly. Is that all the weird hockey news you have? That's all the weird hockey news I have. All right. Technically, well, that's all the hockey news I have. Perfect. So, also, speaking about the Leaves this week, they traded defenseman Miko Lettinen uh, to oh, yeah, I saw that. the Blue Jackets for goalie Vini. Who? I'm going to butcher this one. Ve. Velanin. Velanin? Ve. Velanin? 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 Maybe. I have no idea. Hold on. He, he's a probably Nordic country, I would imagine. I'm guessing Finland or like Norway or Denmark or something along those lines. Vini Vevilainen. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Nailed it. Um, I doubt either one of us nailed it. Yeah. The Maple Leafs traded away Miko just because they are stacked on the defensive side of things. And him being a younger prospect, he yielded a goalie prospect for them in the future. So it's kind of a prospect trade more so than anything. I always think these are weird because it's not someone that's been tried and tested. So like you don't know how good these trades are for years. Yeah. And like you have people who go in and do trade trees and you can see how well a trade did and didn't work out for a team. And sometimes it works and sometimes it really, really doesn't. Yeah. Also this week, Kirby Dock joined the Blackhawks for his first practice after his injury that he received during the World Juniors warm-up game as the captain. Uh, he didn't have to go that hard for a warm-up, dude. His wrist surgery was successful. He's practicing. He says he's at about 75% uh, based off of his last press experience. So, yay that. I'm excited to see him coming back on the horizon at this point. I know we're not like... It's not going to be next week that he's going to be back by any means. He was wearing a no contact, but he showed up to the practice, which right. is yeah. a plus in the right direction. Also this week, the National Women's Hockey League uh, announced that they're going to proceed with their playoffs after the COVID-19 postponement. Four teams will compete for the championship with the semifinals starting on March 26th and the championship game being played on the 27th the next day. I'm really shocked that they didn't give him like a day between the right. semifinal games and the championship game, but... Uh, the games are supposed to be televised by NBC, so whether it be on NBC Sports or NBC Channel, right. it's kind of cool that the Women's Hockey League is actually getting television time. time. Yeah. yeah. Also, speaking of television time, the NHL and ESPN have reached a $2.8 billion seven-year broadcasting deal, which Jeez. gives them the rights to airing four complete Stanley Cup playoffs and two partial Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, only because they're still under contract with NBC for one of those seven years. Okay. So NBC will be able to televise this year's Stanley Cup playoffs, and then they're done, basically. NBC is out. Their contract expires at the end of this season. So My question is, what does this mean for the average fan? Like, are we going to be able to watch the playoffs on TV? Yeah. With a normal cable so package? The, the partnership will be with ABC's like conglomerate of channels. Okay. So ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, all those channels will be the ones that will be airing the, the playoff games. Now, see, we don't have ESPN2. Yes, we do. Do we? Yep. News to me. Yeah, because you never watch ESPN2. <laughs> but part of this deal is 
basically expanding ESPN Plus's programming capability. Mm -hmm. So I know you and I have been discussing the idea of adding ESPN Plus. This might have just pushed us over the edge to doing it just because we'll be able to watch more national televised games. This season and next season, they expect to televise... I believe roughly about 70% of the games. So a lot of the national broadcasts, they'll still be on NBC this year, but they're adding games on ESPN Plus starting actually this week. Okay. So they're not messing around. So starting this week on ESPN Plus, you will be able to watch NHL games. That's kind of cool. More national televised games, I guess. I don't know. We'll have to see how that all works out. I'm not a big fan of the way, you know, you have a thousand streaming services but if you want to watch certain things you have to have cable and like i just kind of want everyone to go back to being on cable instead of trying to have a streaming service and cable espn plus is a big selling point to me because they also added bundesliga this year and they're working on the champions league contract as well so it's like they're really pushing money towards getting content i don't know how i feel about this yet i think it'll be a matter of time and how many games i can watch and like, how many I would have to watch by buying ESPN Plus and, like, all that. Yeah, the value versus not having it. But moving over to the NFL, the NFL has set its 2021 salary cap at $182.5 million. This has chopped more than $15 million off of the previous salary cap, which was set at $198.2 million in 2020. They believe that the decrease for 2021 is due to the COVID pandemic and teams competing in front of no fans or limited fans in stadiums so that they could have safe practices. And they're just basically trying to make up for a lot of the money lost. In response, the NFL has been a whirlwind of people being cut and contracts being restructured this week. I'm going to try to stay on the important ones and not all of them because there's been a lot. I will open and jump out of the window if you talked about every single one. I know, and that's why I stayed on the important ones. But before we get to those, we had Thomas Davis who donned a custom panther suit for his retirement ceremony. Now, when I first looked this up, I thought he was like in a mascot panther suit. It's not what you think when you read that. Okay. Because it sounds like he's in the mascot outfit, but he's not. He just is wearing a suit jacket that has like his jersey number and name on it and stuff like that. So it's not as fun as you would want it to be as someone who's not a, a sports fan. Gotcha. But he and Greg Olson had a joint retirement ceremony, so they are both leaving the organization. Interesting. Leaving the league altogether, I suppose. Right. You had the Houston Texans and Mark Ingram agree to a one-year deal worth up to $3 million. I believe they were saying that part of the reason for signing this guy is to help keep Deshaun Watson. Yeah, so it's giving him some firepower at the running back position. Um, Ingram is coming off of a mediocre season, but as a career as a whole, as a running back, he's been very successful. The new offensive coordinator that they hired in Houston also coaches a style system that caters to Deshaun Watson and a Mark Ingram style combination, so it makes sense. It's not a bad decision, to say the least. Yeah. You also had the Patriots signing or re-signing Cam Newton to a one-year contract that is made up of $1.5 million in guaranteed base salary and a $2 million signing bonus with 
$1.5 million in per game roster bonuses, which I didn't know was a thing. 100000 on workout bonuses, which I also had never heard of before, and $8.5 million in other incentives for reaching playoffs amongst a bunch of other things. Yeah, this so this was the shocking sign of the week. Everybody thought the Patriots, due to their performance last season, were going to go after maybe trading up to get one of the four starting quarterbacks that are going to be coming out of this draft this year. Cam Newton's performance was nothing to be excited about last year. Uh, most people were saying maybe his career is over. Like, it okay. just was not a good year for him. He threw for career low yards, the least amount of yards he's ever thrown in his career, and had only eight touchdowns last year and that's less than one per game and through 10 interceptions so um, that is about one per game yeah he i don't know he had a struggle i will make the argument though that with so many conditions on his money they're gonna end up actually probably getting him for a really good deal because like 8.5 million dollars of this is incentives for reaching the playoffs plus like if you win this award you get this much money if you get this award you get this much money yeah so like six million dollars total was assigned to how far he goes in the playoffs total but the other portions yeah were based off of all the awards and things like that so i agree i think they're probably going to get a pretty good deal based off of it but he's a mediocre quarterback in an organization that expects perfection do you Um, because they signed a mediocre quarterback they do they do they expect to be in the playoffs even after tom brady leaving so speaking of signed quarterbacks this was the bigger blow up tom brady and the buccaneers signed a contract no but i honestly expected that to be completely honest um but go ahead Getting into that, because we just talked about Tom Brady leaving. Yeah. He agreed to terms on a one-year contract extension that will run through the 2022 season. The contract is another two-year, $50 million deal with $41 million due in 2021 and only $9 million in 2022, which yeah. I think is probably because he might not make it all the way through the 2022 season yeah 41.075 million was the final total so yeah not not a bad guaranteed payday to say the least but that does include postseason incentives Uh, which i guess we don't have to worry about even though he's a million years old yeah but also signed this week quarterback wise was the one that i was talking about here in dallas dak prescott was signed this week for a 160 million four-year contract That makes him the second highest paid player AAV-wise in the NFL, which... That's what, $40 a year? $43, roughly, is what he's expected to make. $126 million of it is guaranteed, which sets the NFL record for most money guaranteed ever in the history of the NFL. I don't understand guaranteed money. Like, I know you want it because you don't know how your season's going to go, but why would someone agree to it? Well, this is where... A lot of people are going, wow, Jerry Jones is an idiot. He's not even a top five quarterback, and he is now the most guaranteed money in the history of the NFL, which um, that's a life choice. He's really hedging a bet that Dak is going to be the Dak he always has been, you know, and play well, but... They just, they need an emergency release on this contract because, like, it's not going to go as well as they're betting on. So the details of it include a no trade, no tag clause, and no cut clause. Yikes, what the... Basically means he's invincible. He makes his own decisions as to where he wants to go. Explaining the no trade clause thing to one of my coworkers, I I basically explained to him, unless he wants to leave, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. 
Like, they can't force him to go literally anywhere. The thing that bothers me even more than the money is the no-cut clause. Yeah. That's just a mistake. Yeah. I mean, all of this is a mistake. So the only thing that Jerry Jones would be capable of doing would be restructuring his contract out across longer years if they did need to just bench him, basically. They could release him, but they're going to have to pay 100% of his contract. And so it's just not a wise decision overall. This is probably the product of someone going in for a procedure and then they tell you not to make any decisions coming off the anesthesia and they sign the contract. That's what happened. (laughs) You think Jerry Jones had some kind of procedure? Yes. (laughs) That's funny. I don't know that that's the case, but... um... That's the only explanation for signing this contract as someone who is supposed to be using this as like a business. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. They're technically using their franchise tag on him to lower the amount of money they have to pay him this season on the contract. So they're only going to have to pay him $31 million this year. Oh, that's all. Yeah, so a little less than the rest of it. But the way it all breaks down the remainder of the year is it's not pretty for Dallas, to yeah. say at least on spending money. But doing that, giving him the franchise tag, freed up an extra $9 million worth of cap space this season, which is... Well, they're going to need it. Good. Yeeks. The Bills did some re-signing on the defensive side of the ball this week as well. Um, The Bills re-signed right tackle Daryl Williams to a three-year $28.2 million contract. He is getting $14 million guaranteed out of that one. So about half, which is a little more reasonable than $126 million. Well, the last signing I have for the NFL looks very small compared to the other ones, but... I was going to say, I have one more Bills one if we can go over that really quick. Sure. Okay. Uh, The Bills also re-signed linebacker Matt Milano to a four-year $44 million contract, and $24 million is guaranteed on that contract. I will never understand guaranteed money. But the last contract I have, like I said, way smaller than all these other guys. So the Texans have signed linebacker Christian Kirksey to a one-year deal worth $4.5 million. That is like nothing to these teams, apparently. And then we had some big restructuring this week as well with contracts. The biggest one probably being the Mahomes contract restructuring. It's basically going to allow Mahomes to be paid by the Chiefs after his contract has expired. So that's fun. But it frees up $17 million in cap space for the organization. Considering prior to this, they were over capped by about $4.8 million. So that frees up a little bit of wiggle room for them. As well, the Cowboys had to restructure offensive linemen contracts. Ended up being three players and allowed them to free up again about $17 million in cap space for their organization as well. I don't know about you, but for me with MLB, I didn't have a lot, but maybe that's because I hate baseball and their news section of the website sucks. Okay. Well, seriously, like I'm looking for news for the week and suddenly it jumps back to February. I'm like, what is happening? And it's supposed to be in chronological order. So this makes no sense. That's why I don't use the MLB's website. It's garbage. Worse than ESPN, but ESPN reports things late. So that doesn't work either. As far as player health goes, Cardinals right-hander Miles Mikolas will be placed on IR for around 7 to 10 days due to what they're calling shoulder soreness, which has been plaguing him since the start of camp. But they've had MRIs conducted this week, and they've showed no structural damage to his right shoulder. I don't have any player injuries today, but I do have an interesting coach injury, which is not something you hear about every day. 
Is it the guy falling on his way into the dugout or something like that? Yes. It was Diamondbacks first base coach Dave McKay. He suffered a broken rib and lacerated spleen after he fell in the dugout this past week. Is he a million years old? How did he get so injured from I don't know how old fall? he is, but the rib probably is what took out the spleen as well. <laughs> well, obviously. You would expect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he will be out, uh, they're saying week to week, which is kind of crazy to me. I feel like that's not something you just recover from immediately, but I don't know. As a first base coach, you're not physically like over exerting yourself too often unless you're falling into the dugout apparently i want to know how many he had yeah i don't know to keep on the health subject uh, the mlb released its positive covid19 numbers from this past week of tests they had two mlb players test positive for covid19 this past week the MLB processed a total of 14,704 samples last week. Uh, that brings it to a positive test rate of 0.01%. So, pretty small fraction, considering everybody's practically living on top of each other right now at camp. So, I would hope that, at this point, people know how to social distance and wash their hands and that there would be zero positives, but that's just me being hopeful for... No reason. Nothing over the past year has given me any reason to be hopeful. But hope. It's the thing with baseball gloves. In other news, you had Nick Marquesis. Marquesis? Sure. Yeah, there's two K's in there. If you say so. He is retired after 15 major league seasons. He's won three golden gloves. Not a big deal. Everyone gets one of those. That's not true. (laughs) How many do you have if everybody gets one of those? Every Major League Baseball player gets one of those. No, they do not. And he's collected 2,388 hits from the Orioles and the Braves. Yeah. I'll, I'll add a little to that. What's crazy about his career is he stayed pretty uninjured for most of his career. In 12 of the 15 seasons that he played in, he actually played in 147 plus games of the 162 game season. Thank you, because that other number meant nothing. To you, right? Otherwise. So he's played in almost a majority of the games every single season he's played in, which is pretty unheard of in the major leagues, which also puts him in eighth for all time games played for his position in right field. How many games would he need to become first? A lot more. Oh. I was like, you should just stick it out. The fact of the matter is he finished top 10, which is pretty impressive. That's true. Yeah. In funny spring training news, I have a fun one here. The Giants and the Indians played the bottom of the ninth with no umpires this week because the Indians had already technically won the game. They had won 5-4 to four going into the bottom of the ninth, and they were the home team. However, both teams had agreed to play the full nine innings because the Giants had relief pitchers that they wanted to get more opportunities to pitch. Hmm. So the Indians were the home team and were already leading. Because the agreement was made, the Giants' catcher got to call balls and strikes after the umpires left. And the ongoing joke that he said after the game was, I had a couple of players turn around to me and go, that wasn't a strike, that was a ball. And he goes, cut me some slack. I'm also trying to be the catcher and the umpire at the same time. I'm not used to doing this. Yeah. And so there were literally no umpires. All of them were like contractually were obligated to play the normal rules. So they just left the field on the bottom of the ninth. So there was nobody calling outs. There was nobody calling balls and strikes. It was just an honor system for the bottom of the ninth inning that didn't need to exist. But I thought that was a little bit of silly news because how often do you hear about baseball players having to play without umpires? Right. Yeah. 
And in scary news... I don't know that I need scary news. The Texas Rangers announced that they will allow 100% capacity in their brand new Globe Life Field Stadium on opening day. The stadium seats 40,518 people. The game is expected to sell out. You're going to get like 30 some odd thousand people sick is what's going to happen. Yeah. The local health systems here in the state of Texas are uh, not prepared for that. Well, here in Dallas, they've come out and at least stated that they do not recommend doing this. Dallas is for the most part, finally starting to get a grip on our COVID situation. Our hospitals are below 70% ICU beds, which is something I didn't think was ever going to happen this year based on the way we were doing things here in Texas. But we also, this past week, have decided no one needs to wear masks anymore. As well, bars are open to 100% capacity. Texas. Yes. It's going to be an interesting two weeks here in Texas. We'll see how things go. If we're not here to record a podcast in a couple weeks, you'll know why. Because I died from COVID. That's what happened. Hopefully not. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I have a couple signings. Interesting. I didn't have any, so I will let you take that one away. If we want to move the F away from that. The Cincinnati Reds have acquired Mike Freeman from Cleveland in a trade for cash on Friday. For that money. He is a five-year veteran who also played for the D-backs, Diamondbacks? Is that what that... Okay. The Mariners, the Dodgers, and the Cubs. Sounds like he's been getting around. I'm not going to say the thought I had because cash and getting around. Anyway. (laughs) Right-hander Trevor Cahill signed a one-year deal with Pittsburgh on Friday. Cahill will receive $1.5 million for 2021 and $1 in incentives. It sounds like such little money after talking about NFL contracts. Right? One million dollars. He's poor. Uh, Where are my 75 million signing contract bonuses? In hell. And the NBA, I also didn't find a lot of news, but also I don't care about the NBA. So that's always possible. But that's just me. In injuries for the NBA, you had the no-no Pelican guard, JJ Redick who underwent a procedure on Thursday to relieve inflammation in his right heel. This was a non-surgical procedure, so I assume they injected something into him. He will be out of the lineup for at least a week. I'm sorry to hear that about your no-no pelicans. Those poor pelicans. Mm -hmm. For the Atlanta Hawks, their forward Cam Reddish underwent a procedure on Monday after missing six games with soreness in his right Achilles. So I assume they also injected something there because that was a non-surgical procedure. He was also placed in a walking boot and his status will be re-evaluated and updated in a week. Are you looking at me for injuries? Yes. Okay, I've got a few of those. So uh, this week, the big name of injuries would be, would be definitely Joel Embiid. He will be out at least two weeks with a bone bruise in his left knee after an awkward fall in his team's game on Friday against the Washington Wizards. Originally, it was expected that it was a hyperextension. The way it, he fell, it looked like a hyperextension. But okay. after doing the MRI, um, they realized that there was no damage to any of the CLs or the hyperextension. It was just a bone bruise. Okay. Also this week, Lakers' Anthony Davis was announced that he will miss another two weeks due to complications with a calf strain that has had him out since February 14th. As well, last but not least, we have the Houston Rockets' Eric Gordon will be out four to six weeks with a moderate groin strain. 
As a man, I don't know what a mild groin strain feels like, but I can tell you a moderate one does not sound comfortable. You would think not. Yeah. Like, walking around, I could imagine, is extraordinarily painful. On brighter news this week, Carmelo Anthony moves into 11th place on the all-time scoring list in NBA history. He passed Houston Rockets legend Hakeem Olajuwon. So, there's that. He's 500 points shy of moving into 8th place solely. He can make some big moves still left in his career time. So, he's trying to get into that top 10 no matter what, which he should be able to do with ease. Also this week, the Nets signed Blake Griffin to a $5.9 million veteran minimum contract for the remainder of this season. He will still be collecting monies from Detroit through the end of the year as well. So uh, that was the only reason the Nets were able to get away with offering him so little money. Ah, okay. Which is crazy, though, because that team is already beyond stacked. They have Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Now they're adding Blake Griffin. Like, that front four... I just would not want to touch that at all, or play them for that matter. The good news is you don't have to. I mean, thank goodness. Yeah. You're too short to be a basketball player anyway. It's true. Being 5'11", I'm technically too short to play basketball. Yeah. The NBA announced the release of the earned edition jerseys for the teams that qualified for the playoffs in 2020. I do have those jerseys here for you to look at. To judge. Correct. Are they ugly? Please tell me they're ugly. They're not great looking. So the first one we that have means they're ugly. is the Celtics. That's not bad. Then we have our local team, the Dallas Mavericks. Or the Mavs, as the jersey says. Mm-hmm. Then we have your Denver Nuggies. I do not like that. Well, they're minors, you know, Nuggets. Well, I mean, I don't mind the pickaxes. I mean, the colors are bad. Like, why doesn't your blue match the blue on the arms and the neck? Yeah. And then you have the Nets. I don't know why that feels very 90s. Then you have the Pacers, speaking about 90s. Yeah, that's gross. Then you have the Houston Rockets, which is pretty much every Rockets jersey that's ever been made. That just looks like a jersey. Yep. No. You have the LA Clippers that went with the uh, gray wall paint that everybody chooses to put on their uh, house. I wish everyone did. We're looking at houses right now. I wish people painted their houses. You got the Miami Heat yellow fire jersey. That just looks boring. The Milwaukee Bucks. Are those supposed to be antlers? Yes. That's stupid. You have the LA Lakers going for the black and yellow and purple. That looks kind of throwback. Yeah. Although you can't read the word Lakers very well. I feel like that spacing issue. It's not good font. Yeah. Yeah. You have the Oklahoma City Thunder. What's this on the shoulder? The advertisement for Love's gas station. That throws it all off. That looks stupid. You have the Orlando Magic. That's actually a throwback. It looks stupid. The Philadelphia 76ers went with the Liberty Bell. Hard pass. I actually like that one. It's not too bad. I can't believe I had to see that in person, by the way, with the name being what it is. So if you don't know the backstory to that, when we were in Philadelphia coming back from a trip with my family, uh, we stopped in Philadelphia and forced Liberty to see the Liberty Bell because we wanted Liberty to be next to the Liberty Bell. Your mother has a photo of Liberty next to the Liberty Bell. I do too. There's that. Hard pass. Uh, You have the Trailblazers. From Portland. Looks like someone's learning how to do Photoshop. No. The Utah Jazz. No. I actually like that one. It's not so bad. That's disgusting. The Toronto Raptors. I don't get what that's trying to do, but okay. But that's going to be it. Those are the earned edition jerseys. Some of them aren't bad, but some of them are very, very bad. So you have that. Yeah. The worst one being the Utah Jazz. 
Wow. Shots fired. Was I not supposed to? I, that, you that shouldn't was, have handed me a loaded gun. That was that's kind of the, way, the goal, I guess. We also had the NBA All-Star Game this week. Team LeBron beat Team Durant. 170. Well, Durant wasn't even there. Well, he was there, but he wasn't playing. Yeah. They won the game 170 to 150. So you can really tell how hard the defense tried in this game. With how quickly players get injured in the NBA, I don't blame them. This is a pointless game. Yeah. A risky, pointless game when you consider the whole pandemic happening. The winner of the first ever NBA All-Star Game Kobe Bryant MVP award was given to Giannis, as we know him. Yes. Uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Congratulations I just can't believe that he's such a good player and he plays for the Bucks. Like, well, why doesn't he want to go somewhere else? Well, he does and he doesn't. They he pay him the a money. lot of money to be there. The only other piece of NBA news that I have personally is that the Miami Heat player Myers Leonard has been fined $50,000 and been suspended from team activities for one week because he said something on a live stream or game or whatever he was doing. He made anti-Semitic comments. Let's just leave it at that. And he will also be required to participate in cultural diversity programs with the Good. League. Yes. Yeah. I don't know exactly what he said. I don't really need to know exactly what he said, but... Players are asking you're... the NBA to not let him play this season as punishment. Yeah. So it... Players came out very quickly against him, which I appreciate. Yeah. They were not having it. The last bit of news I have for the week is the COVID test-related news in the NBA. They did have two positive tests uh, over the last two weeks. They've been testing actively 465 NBA players a day. So the fact that they've only had two positive tests is again stating that the system seems to be working pretty well. Yeah. Good on them for that. Their protocols are pretty harsh in the NBA and it's a good thing because it's keeping the total numbers down. It's putting a lot of teams in some very awkward short team situations but at the same time to have two positive cases in a two-week period of time pretty dang impressive. Yeah. So... But did you have any MLS news today? Because I know that's your favorite place to go after the NBA. I'm the only one who ever has MLS news, so of course I do. But not a lot was going on with MLS this week either. There's only two things that I have to report on. The first being CF Montreal has replaced Thierry Henry. I have no clue if that's Thierry Henry. That's probably it. Mm Mm-hmm. With Wilfred Nancy as manager, Henry stepped down due to family reasons in late February... And Nancy has been with the club for several years from coaching the organization's U16 to U18 to U21 teams. So So he's been working his way up the ranks. Right. And the nice thing about having a coach like that is he's probably been playing with a lot of the youth program players that are now playing for the main team. Possibly, yeah. Which works out pretty well. Yeah. And then LA Galaxy announced on Thursday that they have signed former France youth international Samuel Granser from League One side AS Monaco. The 24-year-old winger was signed with targeted allocation money and has agreed to a three-year deal with the club that runs through the 2023 season. So there's actively an investigation about that signing by the MLS because... Targeted allocated money? Yeah, they're saying basically that those funds were illegally used to sign this contract. So we'll see what happens. Maybe just don't make that a thing anymore. 
bingo. Because this is the second week in a row in the MLS that we've discussed that there's problems with that style funds. So we'll see what comes of that. That's fun. But speaking of the European worlds of soccer, this week was a pretty slow week in the soccer world. You had a couple DFB Pokal games. Dortmund won their game. Bayern Munich is already out of DFB Pokal. We will not be partaking in defending our championship this year, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Not for everyone else, just so you know. Yeah, I could imagine the rest of the league was probably pretty happy that we're not in it anymore. But with updated standings currently in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich has won three of their last five. They are currently in first place with 58 points on the table. Red Bull Leipzig is in second place with 54 points. VFL Wolfsburg is in third place with 48 points. Frankfurt is in fourth place with 44 points. And Dortmund is in fifth with 42 points. The top seven is still really close. Yeah. Um, so It's uh, hard to work your way up when everything's so tight up top. Well, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh place are all within 10 points of each other right now. Yeah. So it could still go any which direction in that top five. So it's a little scary there. In the Premier League, on the other hand, Manchester City continues to stretch out their (gasps) lead over everybody else. They are currently sitting on the table with 71 points. Leicester City is in second place with 56 points. Manchester United is in third with 54 points. And you have Chelsea in fourth with 51 points. And then West Ham in fifth currently with 48 points. The sixth place team right now, Tottenham, is playing Arsenal currently. So if Tottenham wins, they will jump into fifth and bump West Ham down into sixth. Okay. Um, So close proximity there currently. My Newcastle United team is still hugging relegation zone. 17th. 17th place currently holding off for a draw this week giving us a point and moving us up the table at least you're not last we're only two points ahead of the 18th place team so one win but we're not sheffield united who only has four wins this season so it could be worse but i think that pretty much wraps up the sports news unless you have something else hidden in your laptop no doesn't feel like a ton's going on right now we've got leagues who are just chugging away at their season and off-season teams doing signings making moves yep but we are looking forward to seeing you guys back on thursday for our book episode we're very excited about that because it's not sports um we have some cool stuff to discuss like the first half of mocking jay mocking jay i don't know why i drew a blank there we will be talking about that first half. Um, I'm really excited about it so far. It's very different from the first two books. The pacing is weird. It, it speeds up and slows down a lot. And I think that's throwing me for a little bit of a loop. But we'll talk about that more in the book episode. Yes. Make sure you guys also check us out on the social media between now and then. And we'll talk to you then. Bye, guys. Bye.